Hello, hello. Welcome to episode number eight of Midnight MMA. Yours truly, Manny G. We're going to unwrap the week that was in mixed martial arts. Of course, UFC 285, so much to unpack. A change of the guard, Alexa Grasso. Not a change of the card for John Jones, but just a lot to talk about. Dominant victory. We're going to lick our wounds here, try to, you know, sour it down with some wine because we had a five fight or five UFC event winning streak come to a halt. Sad to say, yeah, this event put us back to the reset button, right? UFC Vegas 71 next week. We hope to get back in the winning column. So that's the bad news. Good news is we didn't lose our shirt. It wasn't a terrible loss. Uh, about four units, I believe, in total. We'll go through the whole details with you. PFL, that was on Friday night. We had some action. Finished positive, but nothing crazy. I think like plus 0.75 units, something in that range. Nice to just be positive because PFL can be a little tricky <clears throat> at times. We're going to try to review also Cage Warriors 149. That happened also last Friday. We'll at least talk about the main event. Um, this week coming up, UFC Vegas 71, Bellator 22, PFL Challenger Series number seven. We're just in a hotbed. You know, March Madness is the NCAA basketball tournament. Well, mixed martial arts and March is going to be off the chain. A lot of stuff going on. So we'll talk about some of that coming up. Um, other top stories that I want to touch upon as well is. Stipe Miocic, clearly going to be the next opponent for John Jones. We'll go through that and how that's going to play out, possibly sometime in the summer, they're saying. Um, Darren Till plans to come back to the UFC. Have you seen this story? We'll talk about that. A fighter by the name of Roberto Soldic. Very good fighter, multiple-time KSW champion, signed with now one championship, making some bread. Fights in America coming up soon under the one championship banner, makes his first fight here on American soil. So we'll talk about that. And yeah, if you're joining us in the chat, come through, leave some comments, suggestions, whatever you're doing in there. We'll do the best we can to pay attention to you guys <clears throat> and bring you through. Um, all right. So without further ado, let's jump into this UFC 285 card. And, uh, Full disclosure for you, I was at a family get-together slash neighbor get-together, and um, that started at, I remember, at like 6 o'clock sharp. So I got to see the first two fights, <laughs> went over with the family and the kids, did all that. We got back about 10.30, scrambled up to you know my office, and I'm like, I, whatever I can consume, went back, replayed some of the other stuff from earlier, and... Uh, yeah, one of the most interesting cards of the year. We'll talk about some things that you guys saw, some things that I saw, and see how this affects the landscape of the rest of the UFC, right? But again, if you are here in the chat and you're coming through and making comments or suggestions, I'll put the brakes on our conversation the best I can to you know, include your feedback. It's 12.06 a.m. here, Monday morning, officially Monday, the 6th of March, 2023. Episode 8 of Midnight May. 
and I like the show. Our audience is still, you know, little by little, but hopefully over time we'll we'll find our our lane, as they say, and we'll find that audience. But for those who can't listen in the midnight hours of Sunday evening, because maybe you're just getting ready for work in the morning, we got you. The Monday morning commute, those who are getting the early start, maybe you're a 4.30 a.m. jogger. I'm talking to you right now. You're getting up early. You're getting your stuff in order. You want to hear a recap of the week that was in mixed martial arts. You already know what happened, but you just want to hear our take on it. Or maybe you just like the sound of my smooth voice helping you wake up in the morning, brush the teeth. I'm going to date myself. Remember that, that show with Mr. Mr. Robinson? Maybe that wasn't the show. Maybe that was the guy's name. He would like put on his shoes and he would, you know, it was the delivery. It was the voice. It wasn't the complexity of anything he was doing. So hopefully we can be that soothing voice for your Monday morning commute if you're not catching us live on Sunday night. <clears throat> and of course, I can't forget to tell you how you can listen to us, Of right? That's important. If you're not listening to us on YouTube, which is fine, we like that platform, you can also hear us on pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts, like Spotify, Apple, whatever your platform is, just search MMA Fight Club, look for our yellow and black logo, and you'll find our, our channel there. You'll find out more or less every bit of our content on YouTube is there. All of our midnight all of our midnight excuse me episodes are there. I'd say, like I said, 99 percent of the content that's up here is there. Um, oh, before I jump into this, we did an interview with Jenna Bishop. Check that out. She was a pleasure to sit down and talk to. Four and zero, five and zero now in Bellator. Had to win Bellator two ninety one. Wants to fight again this year. And she said during our interview, and I posted that video. I think Saturday early or late Friday, something like that. I posted the interview clip of her saying that she thought Grasso had a chance to beat Shevchenko. And I, you know, I thought, okay, she's a fighter. She knows. And uh, I, don't, I didn't really take her full advice. I didn't because Shevchenko crushed us, crushed me. And I don't know what I was doing out there with that minus 600 range. That was just silly to begin with. Without further ado, let's jump into UFC 285. Let's go through it. Let's do the damage control. Uh, let's go quickly over the fights one fight at a time. Oh, you know what? I do need to give a special shout out. <laughs> I wish he was here in the chat because he would appreciate it more. But we're in a group. It's called uh, BC underscore Dave UFC MMA. It's a group on Tapology, And uh, this buddy of ours, you know, Dave, he runs this group. A lot of good fighter analysts are in there or just fight fans however you want to put it they're in there and so every week we have to choose you know our, our picks who's gonna win blah 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 blah. and um last week the winner was saba saba underscore mma killed it he had 915 combined points <clears throat> he had 12 of the 14 fights picked correctly in terms of winners he had six of the decision picks picked correctly. He had three fights picked perfectly. That means like the round, submission, knockout, whatever. He dominated. Uh, we got our asses beat up over there too. We finished in 38th place out of 42 <laughs> slots. 
with 530 points. Yeah, we took a damn beating. But Saba, hey, man, awesome. And, and, you know, shout out to Ice Viking. He was up there in the top, you know, four or five. Johnny K. Picks was up there with 805 points. Papa Chuck. Um, yeah, those guys were all, you know, VCR repair, man. You guys were all within 100 or so. Uh, Dirty Reg, right, like that second tier in the 700 range. Uh, and then you have to go way down to find ours, ours, ourselves down there at 530. <laughs> we were trying to. Yeah, so BC Dave's uh, group, that was a lot of fun. Uh, good job again to Saba. He takes home the uh, gold medal this weekend. But uh, we're back at it next week, right? UFC Vegas 71 trying to find out who's going to get the next gold medal. And if you win that, I believe Dave sends you like a sweater or something. We won one time, and then we went for double or nothing, and we got nothing because we lost. So, okay, back to UFC 285. Let's do this. Let's go with the prelim card. We'll kind of run through it somewhat quickly, and then we'll go over the tip sheet. First fight in the card, Loic, Loic, excuse me, Razabov versus Esteban Robovics. We watched the fight, so I had to see. I got to see the fight live, and we were rooting for Esteban because we had him to win by decision. And, you know, not all losses are created equal, even though we got it wrong in terms of who won because Loic won. Now, I don't know that it was so clear of a victory. It was the takedowns, of course. Loic took down Esteban repeatedly. Esteban's takedown defense was, dare I say, just not very good. <laughs> at times, it looked like he could clearly defend the takedown. He was at that right angle, and then he would just get taken down. For Loic, definitely got stung. There were moments where you thought Esteban might get him out of there. Like, he really had him a few times hurt. But we had Esteban by decision. And this fight, you know, if if it could have gone a few different ways, a few different moments, maybe Esteban gets to win. Esteban did eat too many big overhand rights that, you know, Loic would just launch them and Esteban was not adjusting and ate too many of them. Showed he's got a pretty good chin, a lot of heart, uh, falls to 11-1. and one, And um, we're not unhappy with the play, but uh, we underestimated Loic here. Uh, but again, look, if you look back at that fight, Loic was really hurt. It was close, went back and forth. Esteban was a big underdog. And a matter of fact, Esteban was sitting at, I'm going to bring in here my other screen. This way we can look at what we're looking at together, right? Let's share the results together. So I do recall that uh, Esteban was, you know, quite a bit of plus money, right? And he was sitting specifically by decision at plus 800, right? So, that's the spot we were playing was the plus 800 spot down here for for Esteban. The fight goes to decision, which in itself was not expected. That was plus 125 when distance over one and a half was minus 175. Ends up being a war. There are some close moments. Nonetheless, we must move on. Loic gets the win. Good for him. Welcome to the UFC. Of course, rumors he was in the house, got kicked. Not kicked out, but got removed for a Connor fighter. I don't know, whatever. There's some kind of truth there or not. He wins the fight. He moves on for Esteban. Nice debut. Too bad we couldn't get the win there. So now we go dog hunting for the second fight in the card, Damon Blackshear. And we also liked him to win. We thought as an underdog, there's a chance here, right? He was plus 330-ish on the money line. Most people were all over free Boshrat. Maybe I'm convincing myself post-fight, but I feel as if Damon Blackshear put up a pretty good fight at times. Um, did I think he won? No, I'm not. I'm not saying that. I thought he put up a pretty good fight. Were our ideas of him being a live dog maybe 
not justified. Now hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah, I think we were stre- you know too stretched, too much of a stretch there. I underestimated Fareed's ability to wrestle. I thought Fareed was not as good to wrestling and grappling prior to this fight. He actually did a good job, takes down Blackshear, you know, and takes control of him, and so on and so on. Long story short, we like the fight going the distance at minus 140. That ends up happening. The fight going over one and a half rounds, minus 275. That happens. Damon Blackshear by decision was plus 750. We had a sprinkle on that. It doesn't happen. And then Damon Blackshear by sub at plus 1,000 was a play, and I guess close towards the end of like round two or round three, round three, I believe. Damon is attempting a triangle, and it's like, oh, man. You know, so we were first first two fights I'm watching, and then I have to go to the, the family party we're going to, and it was like, damn. <laughs> I was like, geez, man, I wish uh, I wish you could have watched more. So now I'm over there, and I'm kind of catching from a TV on the side. My buddy's got it on one of the TVs. He's got a multi-TV, like, game room thing in his, his den. And um, I'm seeing Tabitha Ritchie and Jessica Penne fight. And I'm thinking, you know, goes the distance. Next thing you know, I see Ritchie is getting an arm bar on Jessica Penne. So that's kind of what I saw in real time. Now, going back on the actual fight, yeah, Tabitha was worth every bit of the price tag. Anyone who had her in a parlay, you were like, oof, this was good. It gave you good value. It was minus 230. She moves to 8-1. and one. Baby Shark, there's what is there not to like about Baby Shark? You know, there's just a lot of positives there. We thought the fight was a distance. So in terms of a read in this fight, we had a poor read. I mean, we had six props that were outlined here on our Excel sheet. You could see that area. The red indicates, no, no, we did not get it right. Okay, so for that area there, fight with the distance, no. Over two and a half, no. Decision win for Tabitha Ricci, no. And that was minus 120. And Jessica Penny for submission, plus 800. We thought she would be the one who maybe would get a submission. We just didn't foresee Tabitha Ricci who... It was a bad, again, a bad read. Tabitha Ricci is a former jiu-jitsu fighter herself, grappling, tournaments the whole nine. You know, that's that's like her foundation. And so we missed it on that. And then the split props, we didn't play them. They weren't available. Um, so I don't even know why I have them here in the red. I will go ahead and have to highlight those and change those because we did not, we did not play those. They never came out in time. All right, so anyway, Tabitha Ricci wins. If you had on a parlay, woohoo, you're feeling good. Let's move up. Cameron Simone or Samen, Mana Martinez. Man, you know, this fight saw some blood. You saw the Mana Martinez we know. He might be American by, like, you know, where he's born and stuff, but he's got that Mexican heritage. He fights that way. Ends up being a very close fight, and I believe goes to a majority decision, correct? Just off the top of my mind here, you get decision by majority, so it wasn't necessarily unanimous. Right. And it wasn't necessarily clear cut. Mana gave us a run for the money. And the one thing I think most people didn't expect was it would go back and forth this close to the edge and still go the full distance. There was times where Mana looked really tired. From a prop bet standpoint, the fight going over around a half at minus 225, that was successful. The fight not going to decision at minus 120 was our read. We thought at some point either Mana cracked Salmon and it ends or vice versa. Doesn't happen. We get the wrong read on that one. Now, fight ending into the distance was plus 500 for Martinez, plus 120 for Cameron Samen. So even the market was suggesting that Samen had a, a shot, right, for into the distance. It wasn't a crazy play. The round three KO for Cam- Cameron Samen, plus 800. You know, watching the fight back again, I didn't watch it in real time. I, I thought there was a shot for it, and it doesn't unfold. But interesting fight for Cameron. A lot to learn, right? Moves to 8-0, and o, but really got tested and needs to make improvements. Let's be honest here. Mana Martinez is 
middle of the road in this division. And here he gave Cameron Seaman all he can handle. So Delphi, a good learning experience, needs to kind of clear things up. Yeah, <laughs> Tommy Unders, yeah, dude. We are going to to get to, to uh, Grasso in a second. Never should I have overlooked her. Made a huge mistake. I I touched all around it, too. We'll, we'll get to it. I'll talk about it later. But I touched a lot on it this week about how, man, if she wins, there'll be three Mexican champions and so on and so on. And it was right there in front of me, the nugget. Um, by submission, forget about it, right? Okay, so anyway, in this in this fight here, Seaman wins the fight. Let's move on to Ian Gary versus Kanan Song. Ian was one of the few huge favorites on this card that everyone was parlaying. It was like the parlay of death. It was Gary, it was uh, Shavkat, it was Bo Nickel, right? And then the last one was Shevchenko. This was the four-legged big parlay that everyone was doing. Everyone had it. And my two thoughts were, well, number one, Bo Nickel makes no sense at minus 1,400. Just don't do it either way. And then the second thought was, who is going to ruin it? Which one would do it? My first thought might be Neil. That was my first thought. Maybe Neil. And then by default, female fight. Excuse me. (coughs) Excuse me. Female fight. You know, um, yeah, Tommy, man, you were all over it too. But then in in uh, looking back at it, female fight. Oh my goodness. Bless myself. Anyway, yeah, female fight ends up being the one that falls apart. And um we broke rules there and rules that we were pretty hard and fast on. Not parlaying favorites beyond minus five hundred five hundred. That's a pretty hard and fast rule we follow. We did it for Shevchenko just because we wanted some action in the fight. Figure it'd be safe action, you know. Terrible move by us. It cost us a profitable weekend. We'll go through it in detail when we get there. But Ian Gary gets the job done, lights up Kanan Song. Ian Gary, every fight he comes out, looks better and better. Gets a round three finish, end of round three. So it almost goes the full distance, but really shows again he's evolving. Was he minus 750 worthy? I don't know about that. So a bit overrated. Next fight, watch this line again. Does he come in again? Very overrated. Kanan Song is, you know, okay. So Gary winning now. The fight not going to decision was minus 280. That prop would cash if you played it into the distance for Gary, minus 225. That was a much better play. That was successful. A knockout for Gary, minus 130. That also hits if you played it. The fight going under two and a half rounds, minus 220, that was not successful. That was the only prop that we were looking at that was not successful for this fight. Moving on. Mark andre Barry versus Julian Marquez. Excuse me a second. So we had a small play on Mark andre Barry in our long parlay. A parlay we'll talk about here when we wrap up our tip sheet. He wins. That was exciting. We had him as a play to pick to win. We had questions about Marquez. Marquez, man, yeah, he just can't uh, He can't keep it together. He finds a way to fumble the ball, and that's what we were concerned about. Fight not going the distance was minus 300. The books kind of were on that side. So were we. Under 2.5, minus 200. That also hits. Inside the distance for Mark andre Baru at plus 140. That seemed to be an obvious play. That hits. The round one KO prop for Marquez never became available, but didn't happen. 
So I don't know why I have it here because that wasn't an L for us. But uh, look at me. I'm updating my sheet as we go. <laughs> anyway, Mark andre Barnett wins. Good for him. You know, we did have him better in a few areas. Anyway, let's move on. Amanda Rebus versus Viviana Raju. Didn't watch this fight in real time, so went back and watched it. Damn, Rebus is tough, right? She she looks, she doesn't look that way because she comes off as, I think cute's the wrong word. Nice. She looks like a nice person. Fights like a fucking dog. Put on a good show. Araju, cardio, man, making mistakes on her back. Can't get up. Rebus trains at ATT. It shows. Fight goes to decision, minus 250. That's successful. The over two and a half rounds at minus 275. That is also successful. The win for Raja by decision at plus 175 doesn't hit. And the fight starting round three at minus 300 also hits. So here we had a good read in the fight. Three of the four props we were looking at, those work out. But Araja as a plus 110 underdog and not a dog we were just dog dog or pass type of situation. We actually liked her here. We thought she would out-wrestle Rebus. And no, we underestimated Rebus here. Poor read by us. Let's move on. Next fight, Dracula. Dracus Duplessis. By the way, there was a video that came out with Kevin Holland. If I, you know where you can find it at, probably like on on Instagram, maybe. It's a video of Kevin Holland giving you his picks for UFC 285, and like a camera's panning up to him. He's like a Gucci, a Gucci store with some Gucci logos like behind him, and it pulls up the camera and he gives you the picks. Like, okay, I like you know so and so. I like John Jones to beat you know whatever gone and stuff like that and then when he gets to the brunson fight he's like yeah i think i think bump brunson is gonna get beat and so i'm gonna put my money on 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 do on do pussy he said it just like that and then he repeated it again he said i'm gonna put that money on do pussy i was like oh my god kevin holland one of a damn con anyway we put our money on do don't pronounce the last s i heard right it's just do that's how you're supposed to say it. I'm getting my lessons from Ero Hawani on his show. He said, it's Dreykus Duplessis, and he speaks Francais, so I'll take his advice. He beats Derek Brunson. Brunson looks terrible. There's talk of him fighting four times this year. My man is 39. He was supposedly retired. He comes back, does this, fighting the wrong guy, wrong place. The only advantage we had Brunson on our chart here, as you can see, was the experience advantage. When it came to fighter IQ, cardio, finishing ability, all those were areas we gave the edge to Duplessis. Striking on the feet, eh, somewhat similar. Grappling, somewhat similar. End of the day, Brunson's just too old. Time's up. That's it. Duplessis for the win. Our reads here were pretty spot on. Fight knock with a distance at minus 200. Into the distance win for Duplessis. And fight starting round two. All those props end up hitting. So nice read there for that fight. Next fight, Cody Garbrandt. Just, I guess, for you guys who are looking at this on YouTube, if you're looking at this, like, what the fuck does this mean over here, right? The asterisk, and this and this Excel sheet's available to you. It's available via our Google Drive. That link is down below. In our Google Drive, you can find folders for each event. UFC 285, past events, there's an archive there. In the folder, you'll find breakdowns for each fight, and then an Excel sheet that's usually called the data sheet. The data sheet, and in there is also a film library. This is kind of cool over here, the film library. I'm clicking too many things. The film library has links of the fighter's prior film. See, right there. Nice for you guys. Wrapped up free every single week for all the fight breaks that we do. Anyway, <clears throat> the asterisk means 
that we are not confident. There it is up there for you in the key. This is a not confident pick. Interesting, we had not confident for Valentina Shevchenko. Man. The W with an up arrow means that we are very confident on that pick. The R means replacement fighter. That's usually to the right side of the fighter. And so up here, this key kind of tells you everything you need to know. Like an orange box means the underdog that we like, and so on and so on. Tommy writes in here, Trevin Jones landed one strike, and it buzzed Cody, but it was too late. Yeah, Cody's scary, dude. Scary, I mean, yeah, scary that he gets knocked the hell out. So Cody wins this fight. I'm super happy for the man. If you heard any recent stories or some personal stuff, got divorced and going through a lot. He's 31. It feels like he's 41. Been around for a minute. You know, ultimate fighter was a coach, did that for a season, former champion. He had a he had a commercial there for a minute with Buffer where he was like, what were they peddling? Something regarding like men's sexual enhancement type of vitamins anyway so cody garbrandt wins the fight the fight surprisingly goes the full distance that part i did not see coming minus 250 was that spot as you can see on our excel sheet here we got a lot of red which means we had a bad read here we had cody by knockout trevin by knockout or some kind of finish or cody either way getting the finish and no no and yeah unfortunately tommy that's just the thing with cody i think his chin is forever 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 broken i don't think that comes back i think he has to constantly fight now with with really a guard on him you know knowing that he can get stung any, any moment that was the last fight of the prelim card so just a summary for our, us in the prelim card we came out swinging for dogs we went after robovics blackshear hindsight the robovics pick not so off there Demon blackshear we were off uh free was clearly the better fighter we got those two right off the bat, right off the bat wrong. So we start off 0-2. We get Tabitha Ricci, Cameron Seaman, Ian Gary, Mark Andre Barriut. We get back to our winning ways, four in a row, and then Vapata. Vivian Arajo comes up short for us. Not a big deal. It's a close fight, but we did have confidence in her. And then we pick up the last two fights in the prelim card, Drykus and Cody Garbrandt, to finish off the prelim card with a record of four, five, six, six, and three. Not great, to be honest with you. All right. So now we move up to the main card. First fight, everyone had Bo Nickel. I, you know, you didn't even hear whispers out there of people saying, hey, Jimmy Pickett, maybe he can do it. No, no, no. No one was even giving it any kind of argument for how Jimmy Pickett could win this fight. The fight goes down like just, I mean, if you could script it, it was just like this. Bo Nickel takes down Jamie. Bo Nickel is looking for a triangle, arm triangle choke, and then it's not there he's adjusting he's adjusting jamie's fighting jamie's uh, jamie's getting submitted in round one that was minus 150. we saw that late towards saturday closing towards the fight we thought about playing it more aggressively we did not that was the play how do you turn minus 1400 into <clears throat> uh playable money that was how you do it and whoever was, you know, pushing that out there or peddling that advice, very well done. Minus 150, round one submission win for Bo Nickel. Very dominant. Into the, into the distance for him was minus 400 at one point, but that even exploded. Fight not going to decision was minus 600 at one point, but again, that moved to under one and a half rounds. All those things hit. Now, a KO prop for Bo Nickel at plus 200, that doesn't hit. And then the TKO victory for Jamie Pickett was plus 1,800, which we sprinkled. 
just because we figured, listen, if something lucky would happen, that would be it. Maybe like an injury for Bo Nickel, that would count as a TKO win for, you know, maybe kicks him, hurts his ankle or something, or Jamie Pickett just gets lucky. Anyway, let's put a stamp on it and say that Bo Nickel uh, did everything he should do, did good in the press conference, uh, post-fight interview, everything, just class act, guys sharp as hell, uh, winner, uh, going to contend for a title at some point. It's just a matter of, like, can they give him some time? He's got four now wins, four no. That's all he's got as a record. So needs to still, you know, still need some time. You'd hate to see a guy like that get pushed too fast and then get like chin checked, and all of a sudden he's chinny, right? Because he got chin checked too early and needs some time to develop. So anyway, moving on. Matus Gamrot versus Jalen Turner. Man, pretty good fight. I'd say if you take away some of the obviously best fights tonight, like Shavkat and and let's say um, you know, the the height. Well, I mean, the John Jones and Cyril Gone fight was not a good fight. I'll get to that, but that was not a good fight. Um, I, I could, That was not a good fight. Shevchenko fight, that was thrilling. Shavkat fight, the best fight in the car was Shavkat. Maybe second best was Valentina. And then you get down to like Jalen Turner and Matus Gamrat. That was a really good fight. We like Jalen Turner, plus 145 dog. I think he gave us a run for the money. He looked good at times. I thought he stung Gamrat. Gamrat looked so much smaller, right? Jalen had like the range, the distance. But ultimately, Gamrot was able to close range at times, get the takedowns, hold on to him. Crowd was booing. Um, yeah, I agree, Tommy. Bo is a bit of an animal. He's much bigger than he's much bigger than I remember even watching him when he wrestled. He didn't look this way. Um, yeah, big guy. So anyway, Jalen Turner does a pretty good job. Never gets hurt himself, but does hurt. Gamrot, even at the end, he's like on his butt or on his back, kind of like trying to get up. And you see the fight ends, and he's like just frustrated, like he couldn't stop it from happening. At times, he was looking to the the referee to separate things. That was a common theme. Let me talk about that right now. Don't know what happened before the fights or if the referees were talked to, but they were trying to interrupt pretty much ground related stuff consistently. It happened in the Shevchenko fight. Shevchenko was in top control, like. It wasn't like she wasn't doing anything. And I think, I forgot which referee, maybe Herb Dean got her, got him up, stood him up. Like, it, it was wild. And it wasn't just that fight. It was across the board. So there must have been some kind of internal memo. I mean, I don't know how this happens, but somebody said something because those referees were all doing it. It wasn't just one or two. They were constantly breaking up stuff or telling them, like, Fighters would just get into the clinch, and the referees would come over right away and say, okay, guys, got to get work, get to work, get to work. Like, they just got into the clinch, dude. They, they just got there. So, in any case, this fight, um, Jalen was, like, in the same meeting, I guess, because he was looking to the referee, like, hey, we just had the meeting. Remember, they said they're going to break this up if this happens. And he was trying, you know, trying to use the referee to help him out. When ultimately, if you're talking about how fighting should work, if you don't want to be held down, then get the fuck up. If you don't want to have your back against the fence because you don't you can't fight in that area, you don't like that, then reverse position, get off the fence. Looking for the referee to get you up because you can't get up or can't get out of the positions and you can't reverse it. You haven't trained it. It's on you. So thought the, the referees played maybe a little bit too much of a part in all the fights. In any event, Matus Gamrot gets the win. It was a deserving win by decision. Moves to 22-2 and two now. Very impressive record. The former KSW fighter for Turner, not a bad loss. Learning experience, has great size for this division. Needs to work on the grappling. Needs to work on takedown defense. We had a stab on Jalen Turner. 
come up short there. He wasn't a big play. The props we were looking at were the fight not going to decision at minus 180. It goes to decision. The fight goes under two and a half rounds. That, again, uh, doesn't happen. The fight is at the distance for Turner, plus 275. Even though he buzzes Gamrot, he was not like, I didn't think he had Gamrot in a, in a point where he could like really finish him. And then the fight going to decision for the win for Gamrot was plus 240. So if you took that position for Gamrot instead of the money line at minus 170, very well done. Gamrot trains at ATT. It showed. Very good, very good. Shavkat Rachmanov versus Jeff Neal. Fight of the night. Best fight, best back and forth action. Most like one guy getting hurt, wobbled, coming back. Shavkat got more hurt in this fight than we've ever seen. Took a lot of big punches. Um, you know, pre-fight we said, is this going to be like the fight with Kamzat Chemaev when he fought Gilbert Burns last year? A fight where people were like, oh, he's going to just run through Burns. And then we get a magical fight. A fight where both guys test each other out. A, a fight where both guys have a little bit of blood. And they're going through moments. And then recovering. Getting the second win. Movie scene action type of shit. That's what we saw in this fight with Neil and Shavkat. And for Neil, I thought Dana said it all. Post-fight interview, he said, I'm going to give this guy a bonus. I don't give a, I think he said, I don't give a damn or a shit if he missed weight or not. That's how you make up for missing weight, right? You go out there, Neil, and you put on a hell of a performance. You you test one of their prize and joy, pride and joy right now of the UFC division there of that middleweight division. They love Shavkat Rachmanov. I mean, if they don't love him, doesn't Sanko love him? I'm just joking. There's like a whole thing about that. <laughs> but anyway, Shavkat is the flavor of the month. He looks the part. He showed us he could take a punch. He took some hard punches there. And it was maybe one or two that really hurt him. And the others, he shook him off, took him well. Neil put on a hell of a performance. He was undersized. He may have been overweight, but he was just the smaller guy. Shavkat was bigger. Notably, Shavkat could not get Neil down. Once or twice, he had like his leg wrapped around. It looked like he was going to get a takedown, and Neil did not go down. Neil got busted up. His nose above his eye got kicked in the head and immediately created a gash. I mean, he took took a bit of a beating. But if you were dog chasing and you liked Neil or, or Neil by knockout, you were on the edge of your seat and he gave you a reason to enjoy it. For Shavkat, man, just nice victory around. At minus 500, that was probably not the appropriate price tag. It was closer than that at times. We liked him. We like the fight not going the distance at minus 250. But with about 30 seconds to go, the fight was still live. And it was only late when Shavkat pulls off a rear naked, like side naked choke where they're both standing. Awkward position. Only something probably Shavkat could pull off, right? He pulls off the choke very late in round number five, round number three, excuse me, gets the finish. So at minus 250, that prop cashes over one and a half rounds, minus 115, that prop also hits. The into the distance prop for Shavkat, minus 175, you know, that was the play. I felt like that was much better, obviously, than minus 500. And the KO prop for Neon plus 700 was something we just took a stab at as a sprinkle, you know, just because. So anyway, let's move on. Shavkat looks good. He, his stock keeps rising. And if you parlayed him, you were pretty happy, right? Valentina Shevchenko versus Alexa Grasso. I can spend a long time talking about this, but I want to get through it without chewing up the entire clock on this, right? 
how far do I want to get back? Let's go back to her last fight. Valentina Shevchenko, it was the humble opinion of a lot of people, people who know more than me. Jenna Bishop, for example, we did an interview with Jenna Bishop last week. The interview's up on our channel if you want to check that out. Bellator fighter, undefeated, 5-0. Very good fighter. Has trained with people like Tabitha Ricci and Jessica Penne, so on and so on. She thought Grosso had a chance to win the fight. She said it point blank. She She also said point blank she thought Shevchenko lost her last fight. I'm one of the people that believe that Shevchenko did lose her last fight. I, I thought she did. I thought she got out grappled. I also thought Grasso wasn't that good of a grappler. And I learned on, on Saturday night, <laughs> last night, I learned about that. I didn't think she was that good of a grappler. I thought, if anything, you know, Valentina was, was uh, you know, needed to be careful with elite grapplers, but average grapplers, you know, she'd be okay. Well, <laughs> Grasso gets not just a submission, if you didn't see it, it wasn't just a submission. It was the arm across the lower jaw, the forearm, you know, cranking her her arm, her 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 forearm, grasp that is against the lower part of the jaw of Valentina. So like Valentina probably could breathe. That wasn't it, but she was getting crushed. Like lower jaw was getting crushed. She was being dominated by the power, the leverage. The wonderful technique when you slow it down, you see the way Grasso's getting her arm and hands around the back of, of Shevchenko's head and working herself so she can get more leverage. It was just artwork, submission artwork. And yes, Grasso by submission, Tommy was huge. At plus 2,200, I saw it on a prop. We, I parlayed it last minute with a few just other little things, and it ends up hitting, right? But that was huge. We did not see that angle at all. I thought it had to be Grasso on the feet somehow, somehow laying a few better strikes, which she was doing at times. So round one went to Grasso, most people thought. Round two and three go to Shevchenko, and it, round four is close, but seems like it still might be going to Shevchenko, and she tries a spinning maneuver. And Grasso, you know how some fighters like don't react quick enough? Grasso jumps all over the back of Shevchenko, Shevchenko, for whatever reason, a bit of a like panics, like falls right away to her belly, or like falls to like a prone position, doesn't you know, really just poor reactionary. I mean, poor movement all around with this whole spinning thing. That was terrible. And then on the ground was just yeah. Tommy mentioned something. You had to have seen the the broadcast. I thought it was really well done by Joe Rogan. He notices, or one of the, the broadcasters, maybe not Joe Rogan, but one of them notices that when the submission arm comes off, when the referee stops them and there's a tap from Shevchenko, it looks like Shevchenko was on the beach and had like a towel across a straight line, a straight line across the bottom like of her chin, her bottom lip, straight line. Above the line was, you know, normal tone, somewhat more reddish because a little more flushed, right? Her, her head her head had more you know, blood rushing to it. She's been a panic. You know, she's being squeezed a little bit. But this right here was like white skin, like white meat. Like she had been on the beach and this was covered by a towel and she had gotten some sun on top. Straight fucking line. i never seen that before. Like we see chokes. When you're in here, you're not going to see that kind of thing. It's a choke. It's a neck, whatever. Across here, the way that the power of Grasso's forearm, this shit left her looking like she had sunburn up here and down here was fine. 
legit crazy. Look for it on Twitter or look for a clip of it. For reals. For reals, Tommy. That shit was legendary. A moment in time. So the fight not going to decision at minus 200. That was a good spot to be on. Over two and a half. That was good. The fight starting round number two was minus 370. We thought that was a good parlay piece. And then now we were off on the fight into the distance at minus 140 for Shevchenko and the KO prop at plus 175 for Shevchenko. And I want to emphasize how wrong we were on this. We've had two episodes of The Devil's Details, and that's a show we do usually on Fridays. It's just a 20-minute thing, 30-minute thing. We do it live. We do it live. And we'll talk about one spot this weekend coming up in a fight, whatever. It could be Bellator, PFL, whatever. That we like a lot. We have a lot of confidence. And the spot we liked here on this entire card, the one damn spot we chose was Shevchenko by knockout. <laughs> Let's just say that's not what happened. <laughs> Episode one of Devil's Details was two weeks ago. Our pick was Janae Harding and Bellator 291. We had we were so high on her to win the rematch. A rematch in a fight that she won the initial match. She lost. So off to a tough start there on that uh, Devil's Details. This week we'll have a new episode and hopefully we you know, break the jinx. But anyway, yeah, into the distance doesn't happen for Shevchenko. Decision for Shevchenko doesn't happen. And then the split props. We put a sprinkle on the split there for Grasso at plus 1930 and Shevchenko at plus 750. All right, let's move on to the main event and then go over the tip sheet. John Bon Jones. I want to call him John Bon Jovi. John Bones Jones. Defeat Cyril Gaon in one of the most anticipated fights of the year, and we just had a Mike Tyson moment. Since we're talking about that fight, yeah, I agree with you. I think Tommy writes in, he says, I think Grasso smokes her in the rematch. It's like post-fight, I was so in denial about Shevchenko losing because I wanted her to win because I had her in a few, you know, had some action. That initial gambler's denial. Once I shook off the denial, I realized, hmm, <laughs> if they rematch, Grasso's only going to fight with a little bit more of an edge. Only going to be that much more aggressive in the striking. Because the moments in the fight that Grasso was like losing were strictly for like maybe a takedown or maybe on the feet, giving up a leg kick or something like that. Because when it came down to who hit harder, it's more power. That was Grasso. We saw that. We, I think she could knock Shevchenko out, actually. I didn't think she could before this fight. Now I think she can. You know what else she could do? She could submit her. <laughs> so I would be so curious to see what the line is. It's going to be Shevchenko. She's going to be favored. Watch. You'll see. She'll be favored because, it's, oh, it's still a tele. It's a Shevchenko. And if you want to get greedy here, that's where I was like in denial. I thought if Shevchenko was winning round three, then now she had it in the bag. She was up three rounds to one. I thought that's where we might be sitting. But Grasso, no, Grasso. Shevchenko with a spinning move. I mean, oh, my gosh. Oh, the line is out, Tommy. What is the line? Oh, that's crazy. Look at that. Grasso at plus 275 right now. Wow. 
That's going to move around a little bit, but that is interesting, Tommy. That fight should happen maybe this summer. It wasn't like either girl took a bunch of da- damage. Valentina had a little bit of a like a little bit of a chunk of her nose chipped out. Okay, let's move on here. John Bones Jones comes back three year layoff. Cyril gone. I'm a. I'm not going to sit here and throw barbs at fighters because I'm sitting behind a desk. I'm talking about what they do. They go in there, hit the gym, they train, hit the bags, go through injuries, a lot of sacrifices. But is it is it is it not tempting to just simply question like Cyril guns, like you know desire balls like intensity all of it. This is what people were questioning before the fight. People were questioning this about this guy. People were asking it in different like the questions that the reporters were asking him would be different angles of how do we ask him, do you have balls? It was just different ways of asking it. Like, oh, what would you do if uh, you, you know, you were fighting someone who pressure on you? Oh, well, I would, you know, I would, I would respond. I, I would, I would turn into a dog. I just feel like I don't have to do that. That was one of his responses this past week or so. Was if I have to be a dog, I'll turn into a dog. Bark, bark. But I don't feel like I need to do the doggy dog stuff because that's not really. I'm more. I'm a painter, you know. This is my my easel. See, this is my my canvas. See, John Jones is a fighter. He treats it like an art form, but ultimately he's fighting. He's in there to get the job done. And he, from the point of the press conference all leading up to now, seemed like he had the mental edge, the emotional edge, the confidence edge. And it seemed like Cyril Ghosn was trying to talk himself into things like, oh, yeah, I, I can be aggressive. I can do this. I didn't prepare for Ninganu to wrestle me, and so that's why that's why I chased the heel hook in round five. Because after being wrestled already for several rounds, I figured now's the time to chase heel hooks. We just found out that Cyril gone, a few things with him. I think he's a, a, a little bit immature at this point in his career. He's not being quite honest with himself about his assessment of things. Number two, I, I do question, like, you know how much fighters go in there, man. They get all kind of injuries. You see guys who get injuries, like they're trying to fight through them. Cyril Gon gets taken down, sat down like a like a toddler, like an amateur. This guy is supposed to be like the number one contender. John Jones hasn't fought in years. Made him look silly. Made Cyril Gon look silly. Quite frankly, like there was the hand, remember the hand thing? Oh, maybe Cyril Gunn's hand. Just get, get out of here, Cyril Gunn. Problem is we're going to see Cyril Gunn in probably no more than a year. <laughs> Back in there with John Jones. Because who else is there? There's um Aspinall. There's a few guys. Ultimately, that division just, it's barren. <laughs> so we'll see this, this Frenchie again and Nothing against French fighters. I mean, he he gives French fighters a bad name, honestly. Cyril with that performance, he gives people from France a bad name who fight because that was weak. It's weak. Now, am I in there in the guillotine with someone's forearm underneath my chin and they're squeezing my head down? And like, no. So it's probably super fucking painful. But before all that, dude, get the fuck up. 
freak out for do something. He's crowding you up and sitting you up against the fence, and you're like not doing much. Oh, because you know it's not time for the dog yet. You know what? Sirogan said if he needs to fight like that, the dog has to come out that he'll do it. Motherfucker, the dog never even came out of the damn doghouse. He got submitted. Fight was over. He stood up. He's in su surprise. He shakes, you know, John Jones' hand. Yeah, dude. Voila. First Ninganu puts you on the mat, gave you some lessons. Now another guy comes in here and gives you lessons. Paperweight. That's what you call that. Paperweight champ. He was interim champ for a minute. It was paperweight. I don't think he's got it. I don't think he's got it. Tommy writes in here, Cyril said he caught Francis in a hill hook in training. That's what went for it. Well, sounds good, I guess, right? Sounds good. That's one excuse, right? Yeah, Pavlovich is a problem. Yeah, I think Cyril Gon's in a slide now. I think Cyril Gon is going to get, yeah. It's a shame, man. What a big, phenomenal specimen, right? When you look at Cyril Gon, can you not hope to think like this guy is a specimen? You know, big, natural, heavyweight, athletic as all. We like to do it by decision. Didn't happen. So, you know, all of our props for this fight, way off. Fight going the distance, over two and a half rounds, starting round number four. Uh, decision prop for Ghana, plus read 10. We thought we were geniuses on that prop. Fuck what we thinking. We should never have gone against the king, the goat, the greatest of all time. The split props, that was a waste of time. Let's go over this tip sheet because it's, it's murder's row. You are now looking at the tip sheet for UFC Vegas 285. With yours truly, Manny G, as part of our Midnight MMA show, episode number eight, going over the week that was in mixed martial arts. We're going over the details of our tip sheet for UFC 285. When we're done with this, we're going to quickly go over Cage Warriors 149, PFL uh, Challenger Series week number six. Um, look ahead at the week that's coming up. Give you some early picks, talk some current events, and uh, and we'll wrap things up around two o'clock a.m. It's currently right about one o'clock a.m. Eastern time. We're about five minutes, ten minutes at the top of the hour, or approaching the top of the hour. All right, tip sheet for UFC Vegas. I'm sorry, UFC 25. If you want to get access to this tip sheet, it's really easy. It's free, and there's two methods. Down below, there's a link to our Google Drive. If you go to that link, click that link, it opens up a window for our Google Drive. That's a free access link there. It's open to anyone who has the link. In there, you'll see folders for a variety of different events. UFC 25, for example, past UFC Vegas events, upcoming events like uh, Challenger Series for week number seven. Those folders contain data sheets and also individual fight breakdowns. That's all free available to you guys. The tip sheet I'm looking at right now is available in there in one of those folders for whatever event you're looking at and then also the tip sheets available in our newsletter it comes within each breakdown we do in our newsletter we include there a tip sheet to get our newsletter it's 100 free subscribe to it today do it right now it's the best thing you could do for your mma arsenal if you want to add just more research tools more information another perspective we're not right all the time 
but we give you a lot of information and we do hours and hours of collecting of research and data like our film library that we offer to you 100% for free. So again, sign up to our newsletter. That's like the first link down below in our description here on YouTube. It's run by Substack, free. Substack has an app on your phone. Get the newsletter, hook you up with everything we're talking about. But again, the tip sheet we're looking at right now from USC 285, this tip sheet is available through our newsletter and again, through our Google Drive link. Here we go. So first section of our tip sheet is money line wagers. Here's what we had on the line. We had Cyril gone to win at plus 135, a three quarter unit bet there to win 1.01, lost. Jalen Turner to win at plus 145. We had 0.75 units to win, lost that bet. Jimmy Pickett to win at plus 850. Yeah, we had to go dog hunting. We did We did just had to go out there throwing our money at the dogs, right? If this card, by the way, if my memory serves me correctly, all of the favorites won up until Grasso. And then John Jones winning was a favorite. Grasso was the only dog on this card, I believe, that won. Just putting it out there. So moving on down, we had a Rajo at half a unit. We had DeMond Blackshirt, a quarter unit. That was a real wasted bet. You know, we did a whole breakdown of DeMond Blackshirt. And though I want to convince myself that fight had its moments, Fareed just rolled him up, ultimately got the easy win. But the Esteban Robovic's pick, we'll live with this one. More times than not, we'll find ourselves being on the right side of that. That's plus money. That's attractive. Yeah, plus 210. We had a quarter unit on him to win 0.53 units. We lost that bet. So for our individual money line plays only, our result was negative 2.62 units because we had 2.62 units on the line, and we lost it all, right? Okay. Moving on down to our prop bets. First one was John Jones by split. We had Cyril gone by split. Obviously, you know, that happened. Gone by decision. Um, you know, gone by decision at plus 300, plus 310, plus 330, wherever that was at, we had we had so much confidence there. We, we envisioned gone circling, peppering him with kicks, uh, a fight that never was. Shevchenko by split, Grasso by split, Neil by KO. One thing about our props, I'll tell you, the bulk of them are high odds. We're putting smaller bets, like 0.15 units, 0.05 units, 0.12 a quarter unit up here for Cyril gone by decision because we were more confident. But in any case, a lot of these bets here are to get some action. We like to have some action, but not too much skin off of our back if we lose and with a nice return. Moving on down, Saman to win by round three KO, Mana Martinez by KO, Jessica Penny by submission, Damon Blackshear by decision, and Damon Blackshear by submission. All of that together was 1.46 units of donations to the Casino, that's what it was. <laughs> Negative 1.46 units for our prop bets. So right off the bat, between our prop bets and our individual our individual bets, we were, yeah, no bueno this week. Tough week for us. Let's go down to the parlays. We still now had a chance. Now we had a chance. We could do some parlaying. You know, Shevchenko, we'll be okay, right? All right, so first parlay, Shavkat, Saman, and Richie at plus 141 odds. We had 0.75 units on that to win 1.06. Hindsight is always 2020, but I wish we'd have put like 2.75 units there. Nice safe bet. They all won pretty easily. Shavka got tested, but he still won. Salmon, yeah, you know, Salmon probably got tested too. I, I shouldn't say it was easy, but that wins. Next one, Shavkat wins. Drykus wins. Pre-fight with Valentina, we're like, oh, wow, we're going to get this one. One unit to win 0.98 units. Valentina at minus 600 does not pull through. We lose that parlay. Bo Nickel fight does not go the distance at minus 600. Marquez fight, no distance, minus 300. Okay, right? 
Ricci fight starts round three, minus 365. That's what that was. <laughs> and yeah, fight ends much earlier than that because she gets the arm bar on Penne Penne. What did that fight end, by the way? Round number two. Okay. What part of round number two? Round number two, 214. Yeah, it wasn't even close. Next parlay down. Fareed. Bashrat. Fight over round and a half. Minus 275. We're good. Gone fight starts round three. No, no. You see, because, because Gone got submitted like in two minutes. <laughs> Fucking God. Valentina is at the distance at minus 140. Yeah. If I had to go back and rethink that, I would still do that's like one of the best bets in the entire card because it's like she's mad, wants to prove a point. You know, this is too much for Grasso. Grasso's still young enough to get another title shot later on. Yeah, that whole, all that narrative out the window. Grasso was ready for the moment, seized the moment. We lose another bet there with Valentina involved in it. Next. Bo inside the distance at minus 400. Okay. Garbrandt fight no distance, minus 250. Gotcha. Trikus minus 240. That gave you plus 148. But Garbrandt decided he was going to go the full distance. He got the win. We like that. But he ends up going the full distance. So that parlay comes down to that piece not being successful. We lose another three-quarter units there. Ricci to win. Fareed to win. Valentina fight starts round two at minus 370. We did like that play. And if you think about that fight with Valentina in a different world, in a place far, far away, we would have, our gut would have told us, yes, minus 370 is a good number. Just bet that spot on the fight. Fight starts round two. Grasso's tough enough. We rationalized in our head. We said Grasso's Mexican warrior spirit will get her to round two. Well, it actually got her damn belt. <laughs> so minus 370, this ends up winning. So it's 0.75 units to win 0.95. And then the last parlay, same in at minus 250. Bo into the distance at minus 400. Araju fight starts round three at minus 300. That gives us plus 133 odds. We had three quarter units there to win 1.00 units. So, in the parlay section, we end up resulting with 0.24 units. Not the best result in the world, but almost breaking even, especially after those first two sections, right? So, again, what hurt us was, you know, Valentina. We, we, we had a bad read on her fight. We had a little too much confidence in her, and that hurt. The parlay pieces, okay. I didn't update this last part because this was not updated before I got into this review with you, but the parlay pieces, Bo Nickel into the distance was minus 400 at some point. We like that a spot a lot. That cashes, but that was a parlay piece, and you had to get it early because it ended up being swollen to like minus, I don't know what it got to. Ricci versus Penny over two and a half rounds at minus 350. No bueno. Ricci gets the job done earlier than we thought. Kind of underestimated her a little bit. Rebus versus Raju over two and a half rounds at minus 275. That was correct. That got done. Gary versus Song, no distance at minus 280. That was correct. 
Jones versus God starting round three at minus 380. Look at that. Wow. Doesn't even get past like the first. I mean, if you bet that fight under a half a round, <laughs> that those props are available. Unbelievable. So, yeah, we had only three of our five parlay pieces correct. It was just a rough card all around. Not our best performance and tons of motivation for us to bounce back next week and get it right. Our specials, yeah, they suffered too. We had a special called the International. Shevchenko, Rachmanov, Gon, Gamron, Duplessis, Bariut, Samen, Richie, Farid, and Esteban. In another world, this could have cashed. I mean, Esteban was close. He did his thing. Gamron, Duplessis, they all got it done. Gon, poop, poop. Shevchenko, no spinning kick, maybe gets it done. But Gon, poop. He's only poop there. If you took out Esteban, Baryut, and Gon, right? That left you with the rest of the pack, right? So we took out Esteban. We got out one of the losers, right? We took out Gon, a second one of the losers, right? Took out Baryut. We should have kept him in there. And we left Shevchenko in that parlay. And that would have still win. That was still would have given us 1.03 units to win on a 0.15 play. But nope. Nope, 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 Shevchenko. The Captain America parlay. That was Jones and Neil, Turner, Brunson, Marquez, Martinez, Penne, Loic. Yeah, that. No chances of that. Loic won, of course. Jones won, but yeah, no bueno. The full card parlay without Bo, Gary, and Valentina. Like that was our way of mentally saying, let's keep these guys out of the parlays because big favorites, the odds, whatever. So we had Esteban, Blackshear, Ricci, Samen, Baryut, Arajo, Plessy, Garbrandt, Turner, Rachmanov, Gon, all that combined. And then we took out a few pieces and eventually we got down to a point where we got close. We got close. You know, what really hurt us was Gon. I mean, we, we had much more confidence in Gon than we should have. And of course, he got just ran through. So for our specials, we had 1.10 units on the line, and we lost 1.10 units. So all in all, when you combine all of our losses for each section, so that's negative 0.24 for our parlays, negative 1.10 for our specials, negative 1.46 for the props, and then also like negative 2.62, I believe, for the individual plays. And what we get here is negative 4.94 that is our final damage here for UFC 285, which translates to basically $500 in losses. And yeah, you know, I don't know about you, but that's money I'd rather not be losing. So no bueno. Need to get ourselves back into the winning column. If there is a silver lining, and I'm trying to just be optimistic here, I thought there was some really good lessons that we could reinstill back into what we're doing. Big, big lines, right? The parlaying of Shavkat, Shevchenko, uh, Bo Nickel, and Gary. It was just a matter of who. You could argue that Neil got close. He definitely tagged Shavkat. This is still fighting where results are just, you know, anything's fucking possible. So I just want to say that let's take that to next week and the week after that whenever these big lines, let's be really careful of just how we include them. Another one. Most people thought that Shevchenko barely won her last fight. So we had the writing on the wall. My wife told me, she said, I told you, you know, she said, you said she lost her last fight. You should have, you know, bet against her. 
yeah, we did see her have some trouble. And so whether we were underestimating Grasso or not, we had reason to be doubting Shevchenko. And with the line the way it was, it was like, it's a layup, right? You know, the, the bookies are giving us an opportunity here to take advantage of this because we just saw her struggle not too long ago. So let's also keep that in like one of our footnotes from this event, you know? So again, a, a person overpriced who has coming off of a fight where was overpriced and almost lost. And then watching these parlays with these big ass favorites, because it's just a matter of someone, <laughs> someone is going to jack it up. Right. Um, Tommy writes in over here. He said, uh, Gary said the distance and Shavkar said, this has had me sweating. Yeah. They got it done, though. They got it done, man. So, yeah, our final damage, they're negative 4.94 units. And so um, this is a good time to remind you guys, we do track all of our stuff here at MMA Fight Club, all of our bets for all of our our cars we do. And that's tracked right here on our newsletter. So if you subscribe to our newsletter, it is updated. Every single tip sheet, you can go back and check it, those prior newsletter posts they stay there they're archived forever and ever you can go in there and actually see from the prior event how we did what our results were and eat by each individual bet by each section so yeah it was negative we finished positive for the pfl but uh ufc beat our asses and uh yeah again so a few lessons some things we could take away from the the um excuse me, the uh, the card. So it's not a complete loss. You know, it's not like we, uh, you know, those cards where you basically have a bunch of bad beats, uh, judges fuck you over. Like, it wasn't that. It wasn't that. And if I could put a few, like, periods on the sentence here for UFC 285, the main event for all of the buildup, gone, man. Just like shh, air let out of that performance. Shevchenko will demand the rematch. She'll probably get it. And I think Aaron Blanchfield is going to submit Shevchenko if they ever fight. So let's say that Shevchenko wins this belt back somehow. I think that Aaron, Aaron Blanchfield gets her. And I'm already of the mindset of, like, I want to see Aaron Blanchfield and Grasso fight. You know what I'm saying? So, okay. Let's talk about the, um, also, Cage Warriors. So, Cage Warriors 149 was last week. That was in San Diego. The main event was Wilson Reyes and a guy named Campbell. Reyes won. Very cool event. I mean, I like Cage Warriors. They got to stay away from doing their events so close to either UFC or PFL. And, like, that was the same night as PFL. It was, like, very close to it in time. But I was in San Diego. Nice card on the waterfront. Uh, a nice scene. And, of course, you know, Patty Pimlet is a former Cage Warriors fighter. Patty Pimlet was actually commentating for that card last week for Cage Warriors. Um and on that note, there was PFL Challenger Series week number. These numbers get me all messed up. Last week was Challenger Series week number six. Yes. And just quickly, the results of that event. David Evans lost in the main event. Just, you know, 
durability issues again. You know, just uh, that's his, that's his problem, right? He lost as a slight favorite. Nate Kelly won dominant fashion. Uh, Gabriel Braga won pretty dominant fashion. Ago Husik barely survived there. He was a big popular underdog. We liked him, but you no, know, he didn't get it done. First fight in the card, James Gonzalez. He looked good. He got the finish. He was fighting an Indian guy. He just had no business in there with him. All in all, for PFL Challenger Series number seven, I'm just looking up the results of how we did right now. This too is available via our week six, week six. So for PFL Challenger Series week number six, our final results were drum roll. We finished plus 0.59 units. I said plus 0.75 earlier, I think. I lied. Well, yeah, you know why there was one bet we didn't include, but whatever. That's all fair. That's our fault. We had all three parlay pieces correct. And we finished plus 0.59 units, having risked 4.6. So kind of ran in place there for a minute. But PFL is tough, man. We should have known. Whatever we won on PFL, we're donating it right back the following day with UFC 285. So, yeah, that's last week. Let's talk here a little bit about coming up, what's on deck for this week. So we've got UFC Vegas 71. That's the first thing. Let's talk about that. So that's going to be Marab Devashvili versus Peter Yan. Main event. Pretty good card. It's the Vegas card that's sandwiched in between these two UFC mega events. 285 and 286. And the nice thing is it's not being held in the Apex. It's being held actually in the I forgot what casino. Desert Sands Resort or some shit like that. It's not the T-Mobile Arena. It's not that big. But still will be a live event. Live crowd. And, you know, that's kind of cool. We did a breakdown already of this fight. We do like Jan. I think Jan wins the fight. I think he's the better overall fighter. The only concern is that he, he's been finding a way to I don't know. Lose fights, man. It's been weird. Some of it's been outside of his control. I, I thought he had been ripped off a little bit. Maybe I'm biased. He, I think he's the better overall fighter when you compare him to Marab. Marab's a you know wrestler. He's he's a grimy guy, but I think Jan wins. Please, when you get some time, check out the Jenna Robin Jenna Robinson Jenna Bishop interview. We had a chance to talk to Jenna Bishop on Friday night. That was a cool interview. She fought what two weeks ago, Bellator 291. Nice job, undefeated fighter, four or five and zero. Oh, trained at Alliance MA with fighters like Angela Hill and Jessica Penne, and uh, has a bright future. Multiple time Jiu Jitsu world champion at several different levels and whatnot. But yeah, Jenna Bishop did a cool interview with us on Friday. That interview is available on our YouTube channel. She thought Alessa Grasso could win. I should have taken her damn advice. I should have gone to the book or books. And laid the lumber down, right? Because she felt like she could win. Now, she also felt like her teammate Jessica Penny could win too. But <laughs> anyway, it is what it is. Um, so UFC 286 is going to be in two weeks. We'll talk more about that as we get closer. We do have Challenger Series this weekend, PFL Challenger Series week number seven. That video, that full breakdown is in the process of of being processing right now, being uploaded onto YouTube. So for those hearing this in the morning, that video breakdown is already available. And at nine o'clock this morning, Monday morning, the full notes written up newsletter that will all be published and available via at nine o'clock AM 
In that newsletter will be included the link to the Excel sheet, which is a data sheet corresponding to that breakdown, the Google Notes and the Google Drive, and then of course a link to the video breakdown. What will not be included in that newsletter will not be the tip sheet because the lines are not available yet for PFL chapter series number seven. But here's what we do for you. When the lines become available, we go back in and we just update that newsletter right up for you. So you don't get an additional email, no additional notifications. You could just go right back into that existing email or go back into that existing notification on your Substack application on your phone, open it up, and you'll see that the newsletter write-up has been edited. It has now a new section added to it. And so, yeah, you'll get the write-up tomorrow morning, Monday morning, this morning. But until we get lines, we can't put together the full tip sheet. So that tip sheet will be added at some point to that breakdown for PFL Challenger Series number seven. For that card, there was already a replacement. There was one fight already changed. Hopefully there's not any more fight changes because it's annoying. After you do a whole fight breakdown, then you change it on you. But um, a few names you might recognize. Impa Kasaganai. He fought the PF. I'm sorry, fought in um, UFC a few years ago. Also was on Contender Series twice, actually. Got knocked out twice in the UFC. Got sent his packing papers. Taylor Johnson fought in Bellator. Specifically had a decision loss in Bellator to... Oh, what's his name? The current champion at division. I forgot his name. Middleweight division. Um, I forgot his name. But Ublin, Ublin, something like that. That guy. <laughs> um, so Johnson's a good fighter. Good experience, but he's on this card. He's fighting Trey Williams. So four total bouts in that card. If you haven't watched Challenger Series this year, you know, check it out. It's pretty entertaining. Uh, in terms of lines, you don't get many lines available. What I heard was you cannot bet on it with DraftKings, for example, because it's considered a exhibition bout. So that's why you can't bet on it. That's news to me. I, I didn't know. Uh, but I learned that the other day, and so I guess that's why we're not offered betting opportunities there on uh, on DraftKings. <laughs> My man, Tommy, I forgot. Um, I left some comments behind. Yeah, you wouldn't be surprised if she retired. Really? Nah. I, I think she's so so competitive. She's coming back for that belt. She may not get it back, but she's going to try. You like Marab? I mean, I like Marab's motor. He's a wild man, but I'm, gonna, I'm going with Jan in that fight. Taylor Johnson is a fade, awful cardio. Yeah, dude, he's got um, – that's a good way of putting it. I just feel like in this fight, you know, he he, he fades. He's going to fade and fall on top of this guy, if that makes any sense. Like when he's fading, he's going to be laying on top of this guy, fading on top of him, gassing out on top of him for the win, and it's going to be ugly. I'm not going to be betting anything serious on Taylor Johnson, though. <laughs> That's for sure. But that's going to be on Friday night. Let me pull up the tapology here because we have a few things come up this week, right? So Friday night's going to be PFL number seven. Then also on Friday night is going to be Bellator. That's going to be a nice card. Bellator 292. That starts at 7 o'clock p.m. on Friday night. That's going to be Usman Magomedov. That is one of the cousins of Khabib, I believe, right? Usman Magomedov versus Benson Henderson. Of course, Benson, very well-known Bellator fighter. Bit of a, a reputation, a good one, that is. 
and family man. He's got that Jerry curl shit though. <laughs> I just want to, I'm going to like yell, you got that soul glow from, uh, what is that? The uh, Coming back to America from way back in the day. So the card also is going to have, I'm trying to think anybody else you guys might recognize. Alexander Shibli, he's pretty good. Valentin Moldovsky. Eh, he's been under over underrated. Linton Linton Vassell, remember him in the UFC? Michael Page, I remember him. That's the guy who was like, "We dancing around, got knocked out." No, I'm, no, someone else. Um, Giotti Yamauchi. Wow, there's some names here, man. You know, Bellator really pulls out <laughs> some people sometimes. Enrique Barzola. Julius Anglicus, Bobby Serino, and then it gets into some names that you just want to know fighters, O&O, Dupree Stewart versus Dimitri, Gagor Gaudius, I don't know, man. I think, honestly, this card, we're knocking, like, Sean Tucker, look at this profile picture. He's one and three. I don't think we're going to touch those early fights. We'll probably just look over the the main card, just the main card, because some of those fights are just, I don't know what's going on there. Josh Hill is 21-5. He's fighting Cass Bell. This Cass Bell character, he is a character. Oh, my goodness. He's got green hair in his profile picture. He's like the Joker. Anyway, so Bellator 292 is going to be on Friday at 7 to kind of open up your mixed martial arts weekend. We're going to have some information on that this week. Like I said, we'll probably just do maybe the main card, a few of those fights, and then call it a day after bellator 292 on friday which starts at seven then is going to be pfl challenger series no no lfa lfa 154 look at that so lfa kicks off at eight o'clock there's gonna be tons of mixed martial arts this weekend so seven o'clock starts bellator 8 p.m starts lfa on ufc fight pass excuse me and then at nine o'clock p.m on FUBU Sports Network, 9 o'clock p.m., we'll start Challenger Series. And that's free, by the way. FUBUSportsNetwork.com. It is free. But here's what you should do on Friday. You should come here and join us. Because on Fridays, we have a pre-fight show watch party that starts at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Sharp. And then we have a watch party that starts at 9 p.m. Eastern start, Sharp. And then we actually broadcast the entire event on our channel here. And we do that because it's free content. It doesn't belong to us. We're not monetizing the video on Friday anyway. But FUBUSportsNetwork.com, that content is free. The whole Challenger series is free. The thing is, if you live like in Canada, you can't access it. So for my Canadian brethren, they come through here to access that PFL Challenger series, and we're happy to give it to them. Tommy writes in here, I don't even know who Johnson is fighting, but I'm sure he we, we get a big plus number. I mean, he got a win in PFL already, you see? So that in itself is the guy he's fighting is six and three, but the guy he's fighting is kind of a wild man. Like he 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 likes to fight. He gets he gets damaged and, and pretty good submissions. Um it's gonna be something. It's gonna be something. But I agree with you about Taylor. He's just not trustworthy. MVP versus Giotti is going to be crazy. Crazy, my friend. Yeah, it's gonna be good. That those those that main card at Bell Tour 292. 
I want some. He's minus 200. Tommy's saying best bet of the week. Well, Tommy, you've stricken my fancy. I'll look at it more closely. It will be considered, my my young sir. It will be considered. Um, let me get over here. I'm uh, got too many windows open here, distracting myself too much. So, okay, let's get back here to what's coming up. So that's on Friday, right? Then moving into Saturday, some of these events I'm not even gonna name them because like rise of the fall. Now. Nah. Three o'clock. So getting up early, if you're a Pacific Coast time person, that's 11 a.m. start time for UFC Fight Night. This event's being held in Vegas. So if you're on the prelim card in Vegas, you're fighting like right after breakfast time. That sucks, by the way. I I know there's a reason for everything, and UFC is a brilliant organization that makes billions of dollars. But why in the fuck do you have to have fighters who are in the United States fighting at that time? Is there like an Asian market that they're trying to appeal to? What time is it like in China at the time? There's some reason why they're doing this. And like, I mean, I, I have a hard time thinking it's like scheduling. Like, oh, we can't have a venue for the UFC on on Saturday night in Vegas. You know, they got to fight instead. Like, matter of fact, I'm just thinking like for the viewers, it sucks too. You're going to go watch an entire UFC event. And then when the fights are over, it's like four or five o'clock in the afternoon. Some weird shit. Anyway, fights start at 3 p.m. Eastern. So at least the people that are on the East Coast, like myself, we get some level of some evening time this this this. So the fight card ends for us like at seven or eight o'clock in the evening. At least it's more nighttime. But nonetheless, three o'clock p.m. on Saturday. That's UFC Fight Night. What two hundred and twenty-two or some shit or two one one two. I don't know how many. UFC Vegas 71, Jan versus Vashvili. Main event is those two. You got Volkov in the co-main event versus Alexander Romanov. That's interesting because Romanov, we'll see. Nikita Krylov versus Ryan Spann. That fight was supposed to be the main card of a fight night, what, UFC Vegas 69 or 70 or something, and then Nikita got sick at the arena. Now they're bringing it back, but on the main card of this pay-per-view of this other UFC fight night. So kind of interesting. They moved it, but now they're not the main event. At least in front of a crowd, though. We'll see what happens. Ramos versus Lingo. Saeed Nurmagomedov versus Jonathan Martinez. Vitor Petrino versus Anton Tur- Turgle. And then moving down, a few names you may not recognize. My boy, Sidikris Dumas. We've interviewed him a few times here on the channel. Very Interesting young man, Sadikrius Dumas. One of the contender series fighters from last year. He's fighting Josh Fremd. J.J. Aldrich fighting Ariane Lipsky. I'm interested in seeing that fight. Gravely's going to be up against Victor Henry. Henry had that big win, what, like two years ago, a year and a half or so ago, whatever, as an underdog. And then the fight card opens up, supposedly, with Carlston Harris versus Abubakar Nurmagomedov. Uh, we'll see what happens here. There'll be some shuffling around these fights, but a lot of names. Davy Grant, Rafael Asanco, Asanso, Lucas Bresge, Carl Williams, some people you might know. But main event, main event breakdown, excuse me, we did it already, and I am leaning towards Peter Yan. No hate against those who like Marab. I, I get it, but um, I do like me some Yan. So that's Saturday, right? That's what opens up the Saturday 
dish for you. But what else is there on Saturday? I believe there's more, right? I believe there's more. So on Saturday evening, you've got some interim WBO World Superweight belts in the line. That's going to be Tazu versus Harrison. I have no idea who those guys are, and I will not be touching that with a 10-foot pole. And then next week comes back with Invicta FC 52 the following week. Wow. Interesting. I kind of forgot Invicta. They were due for an event. So Invicta will be coming back for an event. Then you're going to have, I believe that's it. So wait a second. I just want to make sure I got this right. I think that the Challenger Series for PFL, I just need to look this up here because I feel like I'd be getting it wrong. For the chat, you can correct me. PFL Challenger Series. Is this going to be the last one? Just seven weeks? And I ask because the schedule will be adjusted accordingly. So let's go here. PFL Challenger Series. How many weeks do they have? Interesting. So there is a week. I don't know what that means. <laughs> okay. If you go to the PFL website and you look up their PFL Challenger Series schedule, it's got seven weeks. That's what it has. Week seven is this week, right? Friday. And then it says March 17th, Friday. And that weekend is called Second Chance Fights. I don't know what that means. So that's not on Tapology. If you if you go on Tapology and you go to that week of the seventeenth, they don't have no, they don't have it there because maybe they're not going to have it. I don't know, man. PFL Europe is already scheduled. So PFL Europe, which is going to be the light heavyweights. It's their first regular season is the 25th of March, right? So that would be the following week, I guess. I don't know. Look, PFL get, gets a little weird for, with their stuff, but I'm hoping it comes to an end soon, quite frankly, because it's been a little taxing on us. And with PFL Challenger Series, we're not able to wager on it, at least not domestically. So um, it's kind of gotten a little bit off of our radar. I don't think we'll be doing it in the future. Um, we're, we're finishing up this season because we don't want to start something and then not finish it. Um, there's some one night fight night next week as well. But uh, yeah, so I don't see it anywhere, which is interesting. But there will be Invicta FC 52. Love me some Invicta. It's ladies, open scoring. Uh, DraftKings offers it. They typically have a small card. I love that. You know, I love the like the six, seven fight car where it's like you can just hone in, focus. And that's what it is. There's seven fights in the card. The first fight, for some reason, is not being counted as one of the seven. It's there's actually eight. And the first fight, by the way, is Ramona Pasquale versus Kaylee Voss. Because Ramona got cut by the UFC. And if you don't know Ramona's story, like she came from the UFC PI over in China, right? So she got going over there. And uh, 
I was thirsty, sorry. <laughs> and then was like, oh, you know, I need to, I need more competition. And I'm a, I'm a, I'm a growing, you know, mixed martial artist. She goes and moves all the way to Las Vegas from China. Leaves behind her fiance and everything, you know, back home, still her fiance, to pursue her goal and going to Vegas and going to, I don't know what gym it was. One of the big gyms in Vegas. Takes a few UFC fights, gets knocked all over the place, and shows that she clearly you know, can't hang. It's just, it's, you know, doesn't have it. And UFC wants some Asian fighters. They want some Asian fighters bad, right? But they cut her. They cut her. Okay, so Kelly. There is a week eight, Tommy says. There is a week eight. So there you go. Which Kelly are you referring to, Tommy? Who's uh, who's that? I wonder what the format's going to be for week eight, if they're going to do something different for that. But yeah, so Ramona Pascal will fight Kaylee Voss. I mean, if Ramona loses that fight, yikes. Other names you might recognize, Fatima Klein. I, I do like me some Fatima Klein. I think she won her last fight. And I want to say that we were really high on her, but it was not smooth sailing. Yeah, that was back in January of this year. She fought in January against Laura Gallardo. And it was by decision. But it was a little bit more of a sweat than we wanted. Uh, she's on this card. Looking for other names we might recognize here. Oh, Shauna Bannon. She's the Irish girl who has like she got her lips done or something. She got some kind of work done, you could tell. She's 4-0. She's up against Mina Grusander from I don't know what country that is, but she's got a foreign flag. Carolina Wojcik versus Adina Silva. Yeah, I mean, Danny McCormick versus Valeska Valesca, Valesca Machado. Mary Joseph Favela. We'll do the whole breakdown. We do like us some Invicta. I do enjoy it. So it looks like we're going to have eight fights in total, but that's coming up on the 20, the 15th, the 15th. So that will be, yeah, that will be in a week and a half from now, right? Not this week, week and a half. Well, next week. It is still next week, right? Because this week, next week, yeah next week anyway that's invicta and so a lot coming up that's the bottom line so there's some stories i do want to get to some stuff i want to as they used to say back when i was growing up it was a term they used to use a lot they would say oh nay kelly nay kelly but didn't he get the contract oh no 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 wait wait no 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 they didn't give the contract to nay kelly right they gave the contract to uh That other guy. <clears throat> Interesting. So pretty much this might be a week for the guys who maybe were in the bubble and could have got a contract and they're going to bring him back. I don't know. Something like that. All right. So a few topics that I want to touch upon before we wrap things up here. Darren Till. This article is up on ESPN. If you want to Pull it up. I'm going to grab it here right now myself. 
came across this and I was like, oh, interesting. I mean, seriously, not sarcastic, but I was like, interesting. Darren Till wants to get body healthy, then UFC return. So the, the headline really got my interest. I'm like, well, first of all, he got cut, let go like this past week. And it came right across the airwaves. Everyone caught wind of it. Oh, he's been struggling. He's been getting finished. His last fight got finished. According to the article, it says here, Darren Till intends fully to fight for the UFC again, despite his recent request for the company to serve. I'm sorry. Despite his recent request for the company to sever his contract. So it was his request to release him. Okay. Till, 30 years old, told ESPN on Thursday that he asked for the UFC to release him earlier this year so he could focus on his health and entertain options away from the octagon. The UFC granted Till his request this week when news broke that he'd been released from his contract. Quote, I want to get some injections in my knee and really take care of my knees, Till said. Some of the stuff I want to inject into my knee, I'm going to pass some of these UFC and, oh, Wait a second here. What? Quote, I'm going to read what it says. It's not proper English. Quote, some of the stuff I want to inject into my knee, am I going to pass some of these UFC anti-doping tests? There's a lot of hurdles. Maybe I'll get a knee surgery. What? Maybe I could give myself two years off from the UFC and come back. See what's out there for two years. Make my body healthy. UFC Chief Business Officer Hunter Campbell's reply was, listen, I'll support you, but you know we're not in the habit of bringing people back to the UFC. <laughs> I understand, but in my head, I was thinking your opinion will change in two years, mate. I know for a fact, two or three years max, I'll be back in the UFC. Did I just read what I just read? That Darren Till tells the UFC he wants to take a break for two years to look around, um, do what you got to do. And then they're telling him, yeah, but we don't like we don't we're not in the habit of doing this thing that you're trying to do. And he's like, no, no, you'll see. You're going to want me back. (sighs) Mind blown. I mean, Till is 18-5-1. and one. I mean, this is like, listen, listen to these statements. He then goes on to say that he believes that he will fight three times in 2023. It doesn't make any fucking sense, man. He just wanted out of his contract because he thinks the grass is greener. A topic that's been talked about recently. These fighters think, oh, I'm going to get my release. I'm going to be free. I'll be yeah, free from not having a single promotion that you're attached to. That's what you're free from. Like, like grass is not away. Not, you're not all in Nganu. Although he hinted that those fights will likely be in a striking discipline rather than MMA. He expressed interest in boxing and indicated he might elect to put off knee surgery until he's ready to return to full MMA. Yo, Darren Till, 
Darren Till is a, a, a captain of a flight right now. Flight to nowhere. Fighting out of Liverpool, Till enjoyed a, meteor, a meteoric rise. Okay, anyway. Yeah, Darren Till. We might not ever hear from him again now as an actual real fighter. Man. It's that celebrity money, man. People are seeing these celebrity things. They're all chasing it. And yeah, yeah. Wow. I'm not happy to read that article. That's not good. Let's move on. Roberto Soldich making his UFC, I'm sorry, UFC, his U.S. debut for One Fight Night 10. He's a guy you probably haven't heard of. He was in KSW, multiple weight class champion in KSW. Then now left KSW. Okay, didn't leave on bad terms, but signs with One Fight Night and gets a gets a bag, got a bag to go with them. He talked to the UFC. There were negotiations. He's 20 and 3 overall. He had an offer from UFC, according to this article on ESPN. He's a Bosnian-born fighter, Croatian descent. Um, yeah, the guy's legit. Bottom line, he's 28 years old. He's been a middleweight champion and welterweight champion. And um I'm trying to read this article here. So with his last loss coming. Okay, so his last loss was in 2018 to current UFC middleweight contender Dracus Duplessis. That was the last time that Soldier lost. So even if his losses were against, you know, good fighters. Be headlined by a trilogy. Okay, yeah, here's the thing, though. Let me just say this because I, I think it's important to say this. There is nothing wrong with fighting for one championship. Their their payouts are not the same as the UFC. Their structure is a little bit different. And here's one thing, for example, I do like a lot about one championship. If you get a finish of any kind, you immediately get a $50,000 bonus. There's no if, answer, buts. So they know right there, everyone's getting that if you get a finish. And I do like that. I do like the performances they put on. They have a lot invested in, in amateur levels of the sport. Demetrius Johnson is at one. It's paid pretty well from you know his perspective. So yeah, a lot to be happy about. Tommy writes in here, Mike Perry versus Darren Till in BKFC. They wanted to fight each other for years. Well, yeah. I mean, BKFC, from what I've heard recently, or according to what's that guy's name? Oh, the guy who fought Paulo Costa in his last MMA fight now is fighting BKFC. Luke Rockhold. Luke Rockhold had a ton of good things to say about BKFC recently. He was on the Air Hawani show. He talked about pay, the whole nine. So did um Eddie Alvarez. No, not Eddie Alvarez. Why did I say Eddie Alvarez? Was Eddie Alvarez? Maybe it is Eddie Alvarez. Well, anyway, they're paying more money. They're getting legalized now in more states. So I guess, man. I guess. But Soldich, look out for him. And UFC, if you don't know, I'm UFC. I keep saying UFC. One FC. One FC is is uh is expanding. They have this contract with Amazon, putting on their you know Amazon Prime fight nights, whatever. They got a handful of those throughout the year, and uh, putting on some pretty good events. The the one thing about one you have to be prepared for is they have a multitude of different martial arts. Like they'll have people fighting 
I mean, I saw actually Demetrius Johnson do a fight just last year where like round one was boxing, round two was Muay Thai, round three was MMA. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh. And they break it up by round, you know? So one championship is pretty creative. They do some interesting stuff. So let me start getting ready for our descent, as they say, right? We're approaching the hour and a half, we're just passing the hour and a half mark of our show. If you missed the earlier coverage, we went over the full UFC 285 card, our whole tip sheet, our results, how we did. We did finish negative this past week. But, you know, we had a five-fight winning streak going and can't win them all. Reset, get ready for UFC Vegas 71. If you can give me a second to give a few promos here while I got your attention. Today's episode was brought to you by FightTube. Are you tired of scouring the internet, looking for fighter film, trying to do film research? Don't want to pay the extra subscription fees to watch old fighter films on like Fight Pass or whatever else? Well, FightTube is on the job. FightTube is creating a comprehensive and easy-to-use film library that can be accessed from traditional computer or mobile device. Even with their new phone, their phone app, FightTube's beta version is set to launch later this spring. FightTube.org, the MMA video library. We'll be having more information about FightTube coming out. I know the founders of this fledging, how do I describe it? I would say technology. You're going to like it. It's in essence perfect on the go, on a PC, on your phone, ability to be able to watch film and do fighter research and film research, saving you tons of time looking around for it. And then also avoiding the cost of having to be able to have and subscribe to ESPN Plus or whatever else. Yes, fighttube.org. They've got you covered. We mentioned earlier, please, if you guys want to support our channel, the best way you can support our channel, besides liking and subscribing, and besides being here, because just being here and watching this content, that in itself is your way of supporting us. But subscribe to our newsletter. That link is down below in the description here to this video. It's our Substack newsletter. Tons of information, breakdowns, Excel sheets, charts, numbers. You get a Weekly newsletter gets right to your email or to your Substack phone app if that's how you want to have it set up. All free, 100% free, no signing up for any bullshit. Newsletters detailed to the point, tip sheets, breakdowns, tons of research tools. So if you're a capper, for example, and just want to add this to your repertoire of things that you utilize, do it. We have an Excel sheet, film library, the whole nine. It's all there for you. If you're a casual fan who just wants to utilize another bit of research and tools just to help make your picks could be for that or maybe you're just looking for another person that might give you a different perspective right because you have one or two cappers you already follow them or maybe you have one or two people that you listen to that you you've been listening to for years you like their stuff our stuff may not be the same though or maybe a different angle give you just something else to think about and it's all laid out for you guys super neat super organized content in our newsletter and of course on our google drive I can't not talk about the Google Drive because it is so laid out and easy for you guys to utilize. If you click the link down below for our Google Drive, it takes you to our Google Drive. There's tons of organized folders there for you by each event. So, for example, we're putting it in the folder right now for UFC Vegas 71. The folder for your PFL Challenger Series number seven is also now being put together where you can go in there, open the folder, and see a data sheet, film breakdown notes for each fight, and the full tip sheet, all available for free for every single fight breakdown that we do. Again, to access that, 
just subscribe to our newsletter, which is free to do, free today, free tomorrow, and free every day. And you will be able to help us by doing that. On that note, I have to say, three Mexican champions. We talked a lot about it this past week. It was like on the tip of my tongue. I kept saying it. I kept reminding myself what history would be made, how the Latin American world would be on fire. Mexico would be ablaze with the first ever Mexican-born female champion, not to mention now joining Yair Rodriguez and Brendan Moreno. I understand Rodriguez's belt is interim, but still, it's a belt. And Moreno has the belt. So three people from North America that are not in the United States, not from Canada, in Mexico that are current champions in UFC. Moreno was the first ever Mexican-born champion UFC, and that was not too long ago. In how short a period of time, look at the rise, the growth. And I don't think it's going to be changing anytime soon because behind them is generations and generations of people that have already been, they've loved boxing. That's part of their DNA, boxing, their warriors, the Aztecs. Ever heard of the Aztecs, right? The Indian civilization, that's Mexican. Tenochtitlan. <laughs> anyway, super happy for Alexa Grasso. I should listen to my wife. I should listen to Jenna Bishop when we talked during her interview. I should have listened to my instinct that said that at some point, Shevchenko can lose. And that point's getting closer and closer with every day because she's getting older. Um, good point, Tommy. Tommy writes in here, Soldic's big, biggest fight is going to be with Asada. Yeah, dude. On that juice. On that juice. <laughs> so for Grasso, very happy for her. Happy for her family. She's been stayed. She stayed and trained. It's like a family type of training program and coaches like uncle and you know stayed with them all these years and just has that cultura they say in spanish which is like culture you know like la raza the race the tradition she's got that and that smooth laid back didn't talk talk any shit in the press conference people said she looked like she was scared or intimidated valentina said that she knew that she was scared that she could, you know, she knew the fear. Um, I don't think anybody knew anything except for Alexa Grasso, her corner, her people. So very well done. Salute. Very well done to Alexa Grasso and to all the people down south of the border, Los Mexicanos. You guys can really live proud moment this past week. And all the former champions like Julio Cesar Chavez and the boxing tradition down there. I'm sure they were all in some corners of Mexico having some tequila, maybe on a patio somewhere looking at the night sky or maybe at a, some Mexican bar with some music on the jukebox, right? <laughs> kind of see the scene I'm kind of envisioning. And then the main event, a, a fight that will go down as part of the lure of John Jones. I'm surprised at the result. I'm surprised that Cyril Ghosn was unable to make this more of a fight. I'm surprised that John Jones came back after four years and ran through 
the number one contender, like hot butter through hot knife through hot butter. Hot butter, what? Hot knife through butter. That's how you say it. I'm surprised. I thought John Jones could win the fight, but needed maybe some good fortune, needed to have some things go his way. No, no. He dominated Cyril Gaon, made it look easy. He was rocking a dad bod. Let's be honest, he had, he had a spare tire on his waist. All of it worried me. This can't be the best heavyweight in the world, though. And I know people would not find that to be a popular thing to say. This cannot be the best heavyweight in the world, though. This this is not the rendition of what I envision as the best version of a heavyweight. It's not the guy who's been out for three or four years who has a dad bod coming in here and beating the number one contender in, like, two minutes. I think what we have here is a very weak division. And John Jones just exposed it and said, listen, I can come off the couch and not even be in this weight class. I'm really a light heavyweight. I'm not even 265 pounds. I, I came in here, he weighed what, like 240-ish? And looked kind of overweight. My man's a light heavyweight. Now you ask Dana White, you ask the UFC, like, oh, he's with the, maybe he could be one of the best heavyweights ever. Well, because you don't have any heavyweights. There's rumors they're going to try to get Jamal Hill to move up. Yeah. Don't be surprised by that. If you hear Jamal Hill's name coming up as someone who might be fighting as a heavyweight. And Jamal, I mean, he doesn't cut a lot of weight to make light heavyweight. He's a big guy. He's pretty tall. He's a pretty big dude. But that heavyweight division is so barren. And if you look at the roster outside of that top four or five names, you know, you get past Ospinal and Pavlovich and, you know, it, it just goes off a cliff. You get tied to Avasa, who I think we saw what tied to Avasa is. You know, Cyril Gunn, you know, you, it goes off a damn cliff. And this guy, John Jones, just came into a division he never fought in. He never fought in heavyweight. He took the biggest and baddest heavyweight the UFC had to offer and finished him in two minutes. This, to me, is much more of a reflection on the weakness of the UFC heavyweight division and maybe not so how great John Jones is. Well, look, it's not John Jones's fault. Timing is everything. Him stepping back in like this and him... It makes his legacy. Yeah, but is he Blades? Yeah, Curtis Blades. Blades is in that same, you know, wheelhouse. He's on that edge. He's a pretty good fighter, good wrestling. Could he do something? His wrestling is going to definitely be at least something where he could at least match up with, with Jones. But since you mentioned that, Tommy, like, they won't give him that fight. You see what I'm saying? Like, they won't give him, they'll avoid Blades. U UFC, and I I almost got off of a tantrum and forgot to talk about this, and with only about 10 minutes to go before I got to wrap things up here. 
My final thought. Everyone deserves sympathy. People make mistakes. Some bigger than others. Some mistakes are borderline unforgivable. So, and it was mentioned today to me just by someone in passing. Did you see the police report from John Jones years ago? And I guess I never really looked at it. And I went back, I looked at it. And yeah, it's eye-opening. If John Jones were to ever find himself in the crosshairs of something like that again, or a domestic violence-related incident, anger-related incident, you know, it would be unfortunate because since he already had this in his track record before, the first thing people would say is, well, what'd you think? He was going to change his colors. He would say a few Hail Marys and win a title and say, I'm, I'm a man, I'm a son of God. Say how thankful he is to Jesus and we would all be okay. I'm not mocking him for thanking the Lord or giving his praise to God. That's all fine that he's done that. I don't believe that he even does that in a way that's not sincere. I think John Jones is sincere. But man, the, uh, the, the, the cycle that he's been through of going from champion, prodigy, prospect, to villain, cocaine, to a nasty domestic violence situation, a situation I would encourage you, if you really want to know, the police report is out there to read what happened. It's ugly. It's ugly what he got his hands into. You know, putting your hands on a woman is one thing. There's levels to everything, all right? So I'm glad he's rehabilitated his image and seems to be giving a ton of appreciation to his, his fiance and to his kids and his wife. You know, it just, it's, it's all positive. It was fiance, not wife yet. All positive. You, you see it. He's a man that has remorse. And that's the number one thing you want to see when someone who's made a mistake that, you know, they're, they have some level of uh, contrition. I regret doing that. You sense that in the way John Jones is partaking life. I'm not going to go partying and make a fool of myself. I don't want to embarrass my family. You know, the things that you should be saying, and it seems as if he means it. I'm not holding my breath, though. He's still a young man in many ways, and temptation is out there. I hope the rest of his career goes off with exciting fights. He goes off into the sunset. Him and Dana are pals at the end. It doesn't end any way, shape, or form the way Nganu ended or the way Nate Diaz kind of ended. And he has clean drug tests and no more domestic violence-related issues, I hope. And I hope for two big reasons. I hope for him, number one, his wife and his kids and his family. That's the number one reason why. Number one. Number two, if it were to happen again, it's going to be a bit of a stain, not just on John Jones's legacy that already has this stain. You know, we're getting further from the stain. People would just want to kind of ah, put that away. He was young. He made some mistakes. Ah, come on. Cocaine. Everyone does cocaine. Smacked it around a little bit. I mean, Dana White smacked his wife <laughs> and then went in for like a takedown in public. His take on it was like, oh, I totally regret it. 
But we got work to do here. I'm the man for the job. That's a personal matter. It's ironic how much Dana White's stance on how he felt about domestic violence and John Jones two, three years ago to now. If you if you go back and listen to what what, what Dana was saying about John Jones at times, he borderline was calling him a loser, a druggie, wife beater. He was he was he was categorizing John Jones as all those things. Well, fast forward a few years later, when you don't have any fucking heavyweights and you need them badly, and the one bona fide heavyweight that's the only guy that is for sure a heavyweight champion in your entire promotion said, "C'est la vie." In slide, John Jones, all's forgotten. So, if I'm John Jones, I'm riding the wave, dude. Be a good boy. Surround yourself with the positive people because a big mistake on his part would cost him his legacy. It's going to put a, a bullseye on the UFC's back for bringing back someone who has a past of doing some things that are very hard to forgive. And in the classic case of sports, one thing that we find out again and again, if you're talented enough, if in football you can get the ball past the goal line, if you can make some tackles, if some off-the-field stuff, we can look past it. If in basketball you can put the ball through the hoop and you're young and athletic, yeah, we could look past some things. And in the case of mixed martial arts, if you're John Jones, did a few things in your past, you've rehabilitated your image, UFC's helped rehabilitate his image, and he goes in there, runs through gone in two minutes, and now he is in the words of Dana White, as Dana said, Dana said, is there any more conversation now? Any more debate? Dana said, not only is he the GOAT of the light heavyweight division, he might be the GOAT of the heavyweight division. Do you see the machine working? This is the machine working on your consciousness. This is the machine like putting the thoughts in your head. John Jones is the GOAT. John Jones is the GOAT. He's the best heavyweight of all time because he beat Cyril Gaon in two minutes. No, John Jones is not the be best heavyweight of all time. I don't think we've seen the best heavyweight of all time. I don't think the best heavyweight mixed martial artist of all time is fighting in the UFC right now. That division is not evolved yet. That's why they don't have high competition. That's why we have guys that are 240 pounds fighting in that division. Now, one day, like 15, 20 years from now, we're going to have 265-pound guys that move like Cyril Gaon at 265, that can submit people like John Jones at 265, that if they laid on a 230 or 40-pound man at 265 and wrestled them, they would squash them. We just don't have them yet. And the ones that are at that size are playing football in the NFL making millions of dollars a year. They're not fighting in mixed martial arts. So it's just a matter of an evolution. We're not there yet. So again, I know it doesn't sound comfortable with some people who love John Jones, but John Jones is not the best heavyweight of all time. We don't know who that person is. 
They're not in the promotion yet. The best heavyweight is not a 240 pounder or a 255 pounder or a guy wearing a spare tire around his waist after not fighting for three years and winning the title. A few more comments here before I let you guys go. Sigs, Sigs jumps in here. He says, I like the early UFC days better, in my opinion, 15 to 30 years back. A young Dan Stevens versus John Jones would be cool or Gracie, no weight class. Dems was the days, Sigzy. Dem was the days. Some of the old footage is kind of cool to look back on, right? A little bit of nostalgia. Tommy writes in here, why do people want fighters to be role models? Yeah, that's true. They are cage fighters. You got to be a little bit crazy to be a cage fighter. This isn't golf, tennis, or basketball. Yeah, I think if you're looking for role models, right, this would be the last sport. <laughs> if you're looking for, hey, I want my kids to look up to an athlete. Um, and then even then, I guess there's some you can look up to. But this is like, um, yeah, it's cage fighting, to be honest with you. All that said, though, dude, I want to say that it depends on the parameter we're looking at. It's still a promotion. It's a business, entertainment business, and they got to be careful of uh, of their belt holders, right? Or their post or children being people that would be tied to what he was tied to there for a minute. You know what I'm saying? So, Tommy, a good note to go out on. Vader is the best heavyweight of all time, no question. So, Tommy, that is a great send-off. With Fedor Emelianko retiring recently, it was, you know, the whole bringing back of his old fights and who he fought and who he beat. We forget he fought guys that were in the UFC before and after they fought him, before and after winning belts in the UFC. Like, he beat them both ways. He beat them. They went to the UFC, won a belt, and then he'd fight him again. Later on, he beat him again. Like, it just... There's a great video out there by... Uh, it's on a YouTube channel. I forgot the guy's name offhand. Let me look it up. Uh, I'm subscribed to this channel. It does really, really good work. Patrick. Patrick Gavia is his name. G-A-V-I-A. He's got like 260,000 subscribers. Yeah, he doesn't need any more subscribers, but go subscribe to his channel. He does great work. He did a video with uh, John Jones. Just got released yesterday. I'm going to probably watch that after this. Anyway, he does great work. He does in-depth breakdowns in-depth videos and he did one on Fedor Emelianenko and it was so well done and it you know it showed you how he's a man who's accomplished a lot people just didn't remember it all and just because he didn't fight for the UFC it's no no he he had he had a time when the UFC was the small guys and he was fighting actually for the bigger guys so yeah one of the best that ever did it so happy to see him walk away with so much respect not the fight he wanted per se but with a massive amount of respect. On that note, guys, we've gone about two hours and five minutes. This is episode number eight of Midnight MMA with yours truly, Manny G, the After Hours Midnight Show here every Sunday night. So for those who like to stay up late in the weekends, like yourself, Tommy Unders, who's kept me pretty much company the entire time, Tommy, I hope to see you next Sunday night. Tell your friends, tell those out there who like that late night, feel that those late night vibes after our vibes talking some mixed martial arts and we do this every sunday to wrap up the week that was and more specifically for our followers and those who trail our bets and stuff we go over our full tip sheet for ufc's most recent card and give you our feedback how we did what we did well what we didn't do well 
so on and so on. And then, of course, looking ahead at the week coming up. Hopefully, I'll have some guests for you guys next Sunday. Uh, we didn't have a guest the last two weeks just because scheduling and whatever else, it happens. But uh, we'll try to get some guests on the show to come by and say hello to you guys, some fighters, some names you might recognize. But until then, boys and girls, I want to thank you very much again for joining us. It has been my pleasure with you guys here at uh, Midnight MMA. And we'll see you guys next weekend. Same time, same place. Yours truly. Thank you.